You're listening to Educate on TalkZone.com. Back to Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show and our discussion of preparing high school student athletes for collegiate athletics. If you'd like to join our conversation, the phone lines are open 888-463-6748. That's 888-463-6748. We're taking your calls on Talk Zone. My next guest is Lee Paulette. Lee Paulette has more than 25 years of coaching experience at the high school level and currently stands as New York's winningest high school girls track and field coach. He can count Olympians among his horde of state and national champions. Lee, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dr. Jefferson. <clears throat> well, I'm glad you are uh, in such short notice because uh, my guess is you're probably coaching today. <laughs> uh, I just finished, yes. All right. Uh, tell us how you got started coaching track and field. Um, it, was a, it was a fluke, actually. Um, I stayed. Uh, I went to the University of Maryland, and uh, over the summers I stayed down there all year round, and College coach came to me, one of my friends, and said, "Listen, uh, PAL type of team needed a college coach. Uh, needed a coach over the summer, and the two of us were kind of appointed, and um, that kind of started it." So, what intrigued you about coaching? I mean, because you've been doing it a long time since back in the days of uh, PAL. <laughs> yes, um, I, I'm not exactly sure, and after all these years, I still haven't figured it out, but. It was something about working with kids, and it just dug into me and stuck with me. And uh, um, for better or for worse, I haven't been able to let it go. Okay. And at what time did you move away from PAL and into coaching high school track? Uh, I actually um, graduated from college, and uh, my brother's best friend was a rifle coach. And I actually coached for a year with him and a gentleman named Dominic Monti, who was uh, an absolutely fantastic mentor in terms of working with kids. And I started actually coaching. The first year I coached um, a rifle team as an assistant. And then that next year I went jogging by my high school, my old high school, my alma mater is Valley Stream Central. And uh, the head coach of the girls' team said, why don't you come work with me? I need an assistant. That was in 1980. And uh, I've been at it ever since. Okay. Now, did you have uh, experience coaching at the college level, or did you always coach at the high school level? Yeah, um, that's interesting. Um, it was kind of, uh, I was at Valley Stream for three years as a volunteer assistant. Um, they kept telling me next year they would hire me, and they'd put money in the budget. They never did. And after three years, and we had a very successful team, um, basically they said, we're not going to put money in the budget, and you can continue on as, lo as long as you want as a volunteer assistant. Um, and an opening for an assistant coach came up at Adelphi. And Adelphi was coming off a fantastic run. Even as a D2, Division II school, um, their former coach had been the athletic director, and they had um, Olympians, world record holder, a world record holder, um, the number one ranked 4x400 women's 4x400 in the world. And um, they had a couple of years of a downward spiral, and they had gone through a couple of coaches, and um, they had an opening for an assistant. Um, I went over, I applied, and went through the whole process. They hired me as the assistant, and two weeks um, into the season, the head coach quit. And uh, uh, I kind of inherited uh, a, a pretty amazing team of, uh, of student-athletes, and they were only literally two years younger than me. Okay. That was an experience. And how did they take for, to you? I, 
you know, at first they they kind of treated me a little bit like one of them, and then when they realized that, hey, you know, I'm the coach, um, it was interesting because they tested me and to see where I was in terms of my knowledge and what I could apply. And because I'd spent three great years at Valley Stream Central, um, and I did a lot of research and I did a lot of studying back in those days, um, once uh, the season, the indoor season especially started, um, and all of them started running personal best times, there was, it was okay, you're the coach, and even though you're a couple, you're only a couple of years older than us, um, and, and that's really, it was just that kind of respect at that point. We were very successful, um, did a lot of work to make it that way, and um, I was there for three very successful years. In addition to starting your coaching career young, um, how did you begin to build your network? Um, as a, a, it, it really helped that we were successful. Can't put it any other way. Uh, at Valley Stream, uh, there was no high school national championship back in those days. You went to the state championship, and there was the Golden West and a couple of other Silver South. Um, but the, you know, the national rankings were um, what coaches looked at. And because we were so successful back then, um, even though I wasn't the head coach, a lot of the, the college coaches started, you know, they would call, they would, they would recruit the kids. And then uh, when I stepped into Adelphi, um, I just put a lot of work into it. Uh, it's amazing when I look back on it uh, for, the, for all three seasons, cross country, indoors, and outdoors. I think I made about $2,700 for the year um, in terms of, and, and I was putting in time from we would work out uh, three times a week in the morning for about an hour and a half. And then I'd go to work, and then I'd come back in the afternoon, and we'd have you know two and a half or three hours of practice in the evening. And then I would be on the phones in the uh, later on in the evening, or well, there was really no internet back then. Uh, but I would do reading, or I would be recruiting, or I would talk to other college coaches, and that's where networking really came started coming at, in at, to to play because I started talking to other coaches, trying to you know to find out what kind of knowledge they would impart to me. Um, and I progressed up working through the uh, through the system, and uh, the Delphi was part of the ECAC at the time. I think they still are. And I ended up working my way up. I became an officer of the Coaches Association of the ECAC, and um, that's really where networking began for me um, with those coaches and just working with them. The reason I mentioned networking is because, um, and you may agree with this, in order to be able to uh, place students effectively and, and you need to have the, the trust and respect of uh, coaches at, at all different levels, um, do college coaches recruit differently at Divisions 1, 2, and 3? Yeah, I think they do, um, especially for a new coach, especially for a young coach. My first year at Adelphi was really tough in terms of recruiting. You know, I'd call up coaches or I'd go visit especially locally, and they say, yeah, well, we remember you from the from Valley Stream, but, you know, you're in your early 20s. What kind of experience do you have? And you're a college coach, and you're recruiting my kid. And, um, and yes, we knew that Adelphi used to have a great reputation, but, you know, now you're the coach, and it's your program, and um, it, was, it wasn't it was a Division One big-time school. It wasn't, um, you know, Texas or uh, Texas A&M or Florida. It was, it was a D2 school. And even though I would talk to some of the stars, you know, the kids who were going to big-time schools, um, 
you knew that their coaches were going to push them elsewhere. And you'd look for the next kid down. What I looked for a lot was a kid who had tremendous potential and wasn't being recruited by a big-time school. But, you know, I, I used, I guess, the limited experience that I had, but I used that experience and and recruited kids with potential. One in my, one particular comes to mind. Um, the kid's name was Lauren Searby, and she was from the North Shore of Long Island, and nobody in the country was recruiting this kid. And she really didn't have a team. She was uh, from a Class C school, and the kid just rolled in potential. Um, I offered her a full ride to Adelphi, and at the last minute, she called me up almost in tears. It was like, Villanova offered me a books. I said, it's Villanova. You've got to go to Villanova. Well, she went to Villanova, and the rest is history. She was a, a multi, multi-time NCAA All-America. I think she even ended up uh, making a United States team. But um, I looked at those kind of kids, and I could see the potential, and I would recruit based on that as a college coach, as a D2 coach. And as we got better, and I kind of established myself, and it helped. My graduate assistant was a, was a young lady named June Griffith. June was the world record holder indoors in the full quarter mile mm. and actually ran faster than her world record with me. So you had, uh, and then in the summers, I had a club team that I had inherited from Don McIntyre, the Valley Stream Central coach, called the Golden Spikes. And it had been a high school team, and uh, Mr. Mack just said, you know, take it and run with it. So a lot of my college kids and then other kids who were at the college level who were not at my school would run with us in the summer. And we had Olympians and, uh, you know, world-class athletes running on that club team. And after that second year, the college, the, the high school coaches started saying, okay, you know what? This is a really good program. You're doing a pretty good job. And let's see, uh, we'll let you talk to our star, not just our second-level kid, but we'll let you talk to our star. Um, and that's, you know, you've got to develop that kind of a uh, – a program as a Division II coach, whereas a Division I coach, you, you, you walk in the door with a huge advantage over a Division II coach. And of course, a okay. Division III coach doesn't have athletic scholarship money. They may have other grant money that they can dole out, but they don't have uh, uh, grant athletic grant money. So they have a different um, perspective on how they're going to recruit kids. And, and I think that's even a tougher situation. But it's... Okay. Uh, yeah. Now... Your the bulk of your success has come at the high school level. So uh, where are you coaching now, and how did you transition into that position? Um, I've been this is my 26th year, I believe, at Uniondale in uh, on, in Nassau County on Long Island. Um, when I left Adelphi, just real quickly, what happened um, with the program that I was building at Adelphi? The third year was the key year. It was just a phenomenal year, and I had a great year recruiting. Um, I had actually signed a young lady named Sandy Richards from Jamaica, who went on to be a multi-time All-America at Texas and a gold medal Olympian. I had two other young ladies um, from the Caribbean running 54, 55 seconds for the 400. I had the number three sprinter in the United States coming from Rhode Island and two 1,500-meter runners um, from Europe and the world junior 800-meter champion from Israel, believe it or not. Wow. Running, she'd run 206 back in those days, 205, 206, 207, something like that. I had, to, I had them all signed, and the school decided to go in a different direction and pulled all the scholarship money. 
So I wow. got all these I got all these kids um, into different schools, and the athletic director kept telling me, "You're not going anywhere. You're, you've got all these kids coming in. You've got this great program. You're not going anywhere." Well, surprise! Um, I picked up on the left and um, Wantaw High School on Long Island. Um, Mike Burns and Bill Hedgecock found out that I was leaving Adelphi, and that actually Bill Hedgecock, I believe, is the win- all-time winningest high school track coach in New York State with uh, 600 or 600-plus victories. Um, so they asked me to come to Wantaw. And uh, I was at Wantaw for about two years. Um, we had a great program at Wantaw. I had this young lady named Sue Silvis who set three national um, class records. I think it was freshman, sophomore, and junior class records in the triple jump. Um, Bill Hedgecock's son, Mike Hedgecock, was the national champion in the steeplechase, um, et cetera. Um, so we had a great program there. They brought in a new coach in, in the spring, and I just didn't get along philosophically with him. And I was just going to coach Sue Silvis and then retire. And the boys coach here at Uniondale, Dennis Cornfield, who is um, a Hall of Fame phenomenal um, coach. He's been around forever. And uh, Dennis and I are very good friends. And Dennis actually literally dragged me into a meeting with the athletic director at the time here in Uniondale and um, said, I want you here as my assistant. And I, I said, look, I'll try it for one year. If I don't like it, um, you know, that's fine. Well, um, okay. a year later, they made me the girls' head coach, and 26 years later, I'm still here. So, hey. um, And at this time, we're going to take a short break, but when we get back, we're going to talk more about your uh, 26 years and how you help prepare high school students for the for collegiate athletics. So Great. Uh, it's time to take a short break, but stay tuned. We'll be back with more right after this. Welcome back to Educate on Talk Zone. Here's Dr. Jonathan Jefferson. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to the show and our discussion with our guest, Lee Paulette. We are discussing preparing high school student athletes for collegiate athletics. Uh, Lee, uh, tell us how you assist student athletes preparing for the next level. Well, I think part of the key has always been in my philosophy in that High school kids especially are student athletes, um, and that's really been the the keystone of our um, of everything that that we've done, especially as the as the head coach here at Uniondale. Um, we put the, the kids at academics before everything else, and yeah, people say, "Oh, you've got a great record and this and that." Um, you, we don't believe that, but it really is true. Um, we begin every day. We get the kids walk around, get some of the, you know, the ants out of their pants after sitting in classrooms all day. And, um, and then we have about an hour study hall. Now, you can't bring the horse to water. You can bring the horse to water, but you can't make a drink. So a lot of the kids don't take advantage of it. But um, we have a study hall. Some of the high honor roll students will tutor kids who need tutoring in certain classes. Um, kids can do their homework. If they don't want to go to study hall, they can go to extra help or the library. And we give them that hour, and that's a that's a precious hour. Uh, you're taking a, that hour out of time, out of your practice time, and you know we have to have the kids done by six o'clock so they can get on the last bus to get home. So taking that hour out of practice time means we lose an hour of practice time. But I think it's well worth it, um, and it's paid off almost every year, almost every season, cross country, indoors, and outdoors. We've been academic all New York State, um, so that it says something about it, and the fact that. The kids do use that that study time. Well, some of them do, some of them don't. Some of them will go out and get something to eat or or um, whatever. But 
we give them that opportunity to do better with their academics. And and that helps. That helps when a college coach comes calling and they want to know how the kids are doing academically. And the fact that we don't have kids failing out of school, we don't have kids ineligible. Um, <clears throat> we have a state championship this weekend, and the assistant principal came by in the middle of practice and said, "I would need. A, I want a list of your uh, of your kids going to the state meet. I'm checking their grades right now." Came back up ten minutes later and said, "Oh wow, I'm really proud of your kids. Well, you should know better, but um, they're." You know, we are we we keep our kids academically um, um, eligible, and we we work with kids. And I check on the kids' grades throughout the school year. So does um, my two so do, so do my two assistant coaches, Mr. Johnson and Ms. Holness. Um, now, now and, if I'm a senior on your team, um, walk me through what you're going to do for me to assist me in selecting okay. the appropriate college for me. Well, it's it's something that um, that's evolved over the years, and this is something that I that I put a lot of time into, and it's probably beyond the scope of what I'm supposed to do. But at the beginning of the the uh, of a kid's senior year, and that's after their junior year in the summer, I have every senior come to me with five colleges that they're interested in, and then I'll take a look at the list, and then I'll look at the kids' academics, and then I'll look at at their where they stand athletically. Um, for instance, if I have a kid who has you know, 70 grade point average and they want to go to Yale, I'm going to say, you know, I will never dissuade a kid from, from applying. But at the same time, well, I want the kid to be realistic and the parent, a guardian as well. Um, so I'm going to look for a good academic and then athletic match. Um, if I'm not sure about the athletic match, I'll, I will uh, I will pick up the call, every one of the coaches on that list. Um, and I'll ask what they're looking for. And then I'll tell them what I have and what what student athlete is interested in their particular school, and we'll go from there. Um, it's a lot of work, but it's uh, you talked about uh, you asked me about networking before, and it helps that we have a pretty good reputation here at Uniondale, and the fact that I call a lot of the coaches over and over again. Um, you know, we have certain schools that we've sent a number of kids to. We have certain schools we've never sent a kid to. It helps that we have a little bit of a of a, a positive. Um, uh, you know, name recognition out in the field, and um, I will talk with the coach. And if there's no match, whether the coach doesn't need the kid, whether they don't have money for the kid, or uh, academically the kid can't get into the school, or the coach doesn't think the kid can get in, um, you know, we'll winnow that list down of five of each one of the kids that they've given me, or we'll add to the list. I might have a college coach for that that I talked to about another child. And they'll say, "Well, I, I have more money, I, and I do you have anybody else for me?" And then we'll we'll uh, we'll add to the list, or we'll take away from the list, and um, and we 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 work on that all through the winter um, after the indoor nationals is when we really start pushing the kids to um, we we start talking to college coaches about where the kids are going to go, and then we start trying to make some kind of a decision in uh, in March if we possibly can. Okay, now share with us some of the myths and realities uh, regarding the college recruiting process. Oh, one of the favorites is, um, you know, a parent will come to you and say, well, you're going to get my daughter a scholarship to X school. No, no, it doesn't work that way. Um, the college coach is the one that's offering the scholarship. We will, I will negotiate with them, I will try to do what I can to represent the child and the student-athlete in, in, the, in a positive light, 
but I've been around for quite a while, and and if a, if a, if, a, if a young lady's running, you know, 61 for the 400, I'm not going to tell a college coach they're running 58. And not only that, but they can look up the statistics. But um, uh, you know, the we don't get a scholarship for a high school kid. A college coach offers a scholarship. That's probably the biggest myth. Um, the next biggest myth, I think, is that colleges have all these huge amounts of unlimited funds in terms of athletic scholarships, and it's very easy to get a full athletic scholarship to college. I don't care what sport you're in, it is extremely difficult for a high school student athlete to get a full athletic scholarship to college. It's very difficult. You've got to be among, the, as, as our boys coach, Mr. Cornfield, says, the best of the best. Um, and even if you're the best of the best, sometimes you don't get a full athletic scholarship. Um, and would you say it's true that these kids are not just competing with other, you know, stateside kids? They may also be competing for scholarships with Caribbean kids and African well, kids? Absolutely, especially in track and field. Uh, football, for instance, my guess is probably 99% of the uh, of, uh, of scholarship athletes on uh, in college are, are American citizens, whereas track and field, um, it, it's it's truly an international um, international situation on the college level. Doesn't Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three doesn't matter. Um, you, yes, the high school U.S. high school kids are competing against kids from literally around the world. Yeah. Okay. Now uh, we only have uh, about thirty seconds left. Um, if you had, if you were speaking to a parent and child, let's say in seventh or eighth grade, and a child had some potential, what is the one thing that would, you would tell them is an absolute must if they want a shot at getting a, pa- a good package to college? As a seventh or eighth grader, I would tell them that let the kid have fun. Okay. Plain and simple. They have fun as a as a young as a young runner. Um, they'll keep it up, and we don't push our kids until they get to really 10th or 11th grade is when we start pushing them hard. We want them to have fun. We want them to enjoy it. We've seen too many kids over the years who've been pushed and pushed and pushed and break down and then run away from track. Poor pun there, running away from track. But they run away from track, and they don't go to college for track. And they don't even sometimes finish their high school careers because they just burnt out. We want our kids to have fun. We want the little kids to enjoy themselves. We want them around for their junior and senior years, and we want to send them off to college. Okay. We have been speaking with Lee Paulette, one of the winningest high school girls track and field coaches in New York State history, actually the winningest. Uh, Lee, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Okay. Uh, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you for listening to Educate with Dr. Jefferson. Tune in next week as we continue to tackle the truth behind schoolhouse doors.